welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 6, Episode 17, Blind Faith. The original air date for this episode is March 4th, 1991. It was directed by Michael Caffey, and it was written by John Considine, who just wrote last week's episode mm-hmm. and appeared in it as the bad guy. Uh-uh. Uh, why don't we describe this episode in brief? In this episode, Pete and MacGyver are helping a, uh, I, guess, I guess she's an exile, who's planning to return to her country in order to... Uh, Lead ass- it? Yeah. Assume the nomination for presidency. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of odd because it seems like she's just replacing one dictator with herself. Yeah, so it's not unlike a wing and a prayer. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, uh, she's an old friend of Pete's, and they're trying to protect her from the military government that still has agents trying to kill her. Right, um, and we start this, I think, in Pete's office. Oh, we actually start out at the train station, outside oh, right. of the we train get the station. the cold open, yeah. Um, where police cars are racing up, and Pete is just looking very confused. Yeah. Um, because uh, a man has just been killed out in front of him, his contact. Right. And I guess the alternate contact, like the, the, the main contact was using a buffer, was using another person as a buffer. Yeah. And that person was the one killed. So the real contact, Nelson Richardson, comes up behind Pete and just says, it's off, and then walks away. And, of course, Pete, with his vision problems... Doesn't know who said that. Yeah. Looks around confused. Uh, so... He is unfortunately like doesn't have any more leads other than that. There and there's one character in this episode credited as Busybody, and I'm pretty sure that's the eyewitness to the murder was credited as Busybody. Oh, was it? Which actually seems like kind of condescending yeah. to this woman who they were like, "What happened?" And it's like uh, there were two Hispanic-looking gentlemen, and one of them just pulled out a gun mm-hmm. and shot. They didn't look like killers. They just walked up and shot him and left. And Jeez, it's like, okay. Why don't you mind your like, own business, lady? Okay, God. <laughs> How much more do you remember? Gladys Kravitz over here can't keep her <laughs> nose out of other people's business. All right. Thanks for your help. This pretty much puts you on the hit list since you just told us all this information <laughs> all right, on the must news. take her in. <laughs> Seem awful suspicious. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that girl. I was like, wait, who's Busybody? Oh my gosh, are they calling that lady a Busybody? <laughs> just seems mean. Uh, so uh, the next day, Pete's really having like a hard time trying to read some documents. And that's when uh, MacGyver comes in with some composites based on the eyewitnesses, a.k.a. the busybody. Right. Uh, and uh, but Pete's not composites for this show. A lot of Yeah, sketches. a lot of sketch artists. Uh, really bad with, been really bad with hair. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen that Norm McDonald? <laughs> no, sketch? you brought it up on the show, oh, okay. though, the chef's hat killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could not find the clip online. I tried very, very hard for that. Uh, yeah, so Pete is not interested in looking at the composites. Right. Mostly because he can't. Yeah. Um, Pete's trying to find his cup of coffee. He's trying to answer his intercom. Right. Uh, he's just not having a good time. And MacGyver's witnessing all of this and realizing that his vision's getting worse. Yeah. Um, but now enter uh, DXS agent Paul Stams. Um, he, he comes here basically to complain about Pete's involvement in the protection of Samantha Laura. Yeah. who is the uh, exile who's planning yeah, to return to the aforementioned yeah. presidential nominee. <laughs> the de facto <laughs> yeah. presidential nominee yeah. and winner. De, uh, de facto. Yeah. Uh, 
the uh, DXS had refused to help the Phoenix Foundation, but uh, now they're kind of like, well, we, what we meant was we didn't want to help officially. Yeah. So that's why we told you to kiss off. So now we want to help in back channel so that we can get information from you. Yeah. Not suspiciously. Right. DXS has been pretty synonymous with evil since the first season. Yeah. Well, it's no wonder Pete left. Yeah. I mean, Pete and MacGyver. Yeah. It's just like, let's get out of here. Uh, so, uh, uh, Paul Stams is played by Michael McRae, who we had as Gant, the right. escaped con in, in Eagles. And, and then he came pilot. back as Larson for the challenge. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the killing at the train station occurred when they were supposed to be picking up a VHS tape, uh, much unlike the Children of Light VHS yeah. tape that has all these atrocities on it. Right. Uh, because they luckily they filmed everything that they do. And there's only one copy of it. Mm-hmm. As is often the case with VHSs. Yeah. They're so hard to copy. Yeah. You need like two VCRs. <laughs> yeah. That's enough to stun a Russian athlete to silence. <laughs> MacGyver, you have a TV and a VCR and a VCR? <laughs> Clearly one of these VCRs is fake because... Yeah. Uh, it's a counterfeit. Yeah. So they... And here's the weird thing, though. They have some... They have some random deadline that's been given to them by Jericho Broadcasting. Also interesting that Jericho Broadcasting is still involved in, in the show. And spelled wrong now. Yeah, yeah. Now they're spelling it like the proper way of Jericho. Yeah, with an H. Um, but... Jericho has told them that they have until 6 p.m. to give us this news tape of atrocities, otherwise yeah. we won't air it. Yeah. It's like, what? you'll also, still air it. Also, probably pretty irresponsible to air this either way. Like, yeah. footage of people well, being murdered. Especially just like, at the 6 o'clock news. Yeah. You, wait, you wait for the 10 o'clock news for that. Yeah, at least take some time to go through it and, like, censor some of the violence for sensitive viewers. No, no, you just, you just put that you statement. You just put that right on television. No, no, yeah, and then afterwards... All, all, all these clips should not have been viewed by young children. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, uh, one of my notes is, like, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. <laughs> because this whole episode so far has been, like, ten minutes of exposition. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, so she's coming here, the country's after her, there's VHS tape of atrocities, there's a contact, DXS wants to get involved. Apparently they were involved before, but now they're not. It's yeah. like, oh, God. So much to keep track of. Yeah. So, uh, all of a sudden, Pete and MacGyver are in a cab. And yeah. I was like, okay. They're, is, like, on the docks. Yeah. Is, like, Jack going to be involved? Like, is this, like, this is, like, how they got together in the first place. This yeah, is, yeah, like, yeah. reuniting. Uh, and Mac starts asking about his eyes. And Pete's just kind of like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So, um... A boat pull, uh, pulls up to the docks, uh, just a, a fisherman boat, and Samantha Laura is among the fishermen. Now, right. This was her, her undercover uh, escape plan. So uh, they pick her up, and... Uh, she gets in the back of the cab with mm -hmm. Pete, and they're kind of, like, overly chummy with each other. Yeah, yeah. Like, almost to the point of making it awkward for MacGyver, like he's a third wheel here. Mm-hmm. And we, we start to realize that it's not it's not just a, a history, but potentially a romantic history Correct. between these two. Uh, so they inform her about the failed tape recovery, right. but that uh, her contact seemed to make it out okay, so that they need to contact him. Right. Um, at the safe house, uh, there's more of Pete 
having difficulties with things. He's tripping over chairs. He grabs orange juice instead of apple juice. Right. In his defense, the apple juice... The orange juice juice and apple juice look the exact same. Yeah. Unless you're reading the font on the box. Yeah. But they're they're two white boxes that are covered in text. Yeah. Like, like I have apple juice and orange juice in my refrigerator, and I could, with my eyes closed, tell you which one is which. Yeah. So, I think that that's not totally on Pete. Yeah. But... So... But Again, MacGyver finally full-on confronts him about it. Yeah. Uh, and that's when Pete admits that he has glaucoma. And because he let it go for so long that uh, it, that there's not much it's they can do. It's an advanced enough stage that mm-hmm. surgery is, is uh, one of the only options, but that there's a significant chance that he could end up blind even from the surgery, like right. 100% blind. Um, but that as it is, he's can barely see anything it's like something at it yeah i think he describes it as it's like everything's at the end of a tunnel with barely any light coming out of it Mm -hmm. or something like that and that's why he wanted macgyver specifically to help him on this personal mission right um this is this is like prisoner of conscience except pete didn't want macgyver there (laughs) right exactly uh macgyver and i imagine a, a lot of this scene is real like that this is the truth I feel for this episode. Like this oh, conversation yeah, absolutely. Be- between Dana Elkar and Richard Dean Anderson is almost probably the real conversation that they had together. Yeah. Because MacGyver's reaction when Pete leaves is so heartbreaking. Yeah. I'm like getting little bits of tears right now just thinking about it because yeah. he you can tell he is really upset and that was probably a really difficult scene for them both to film. Yeah. I feel like there's a a few episodes in a row here that that must have been at least uncomfortable for for Dana on set to have it have to recite all this dialogue these, this dialogue that represents his actual feelings from his life and worrying about really being blind and things like that but um but yeah so then they move back into the living room mm-hmm. Samantha has made contact with Richardson and uh the she has to send a representative with this dove pin right um that will prove their uh, identity Mm-hmm. Now, did you get my email about I this? I did, yeah. <laughs> I was so excited. Um, they had to meet at the train station, and as soon as I saw the train station, I was, I know this train station. I've seen this train station before. Um, and I think it, it impresses me less that you recognize the train station, because every once in a while I'll see something in a movie and be like, I know I've seen this building before. The fact that you knew exactly which episode. yeah. To like, go back and look for it in. <laughs> I was like, this is the episode that had uh, uh, Tony Shalhoub. Specifically in the X-Files. Yeah, in the X-Files, yeah. So this is like four or five years later. Um, it was an episode with Tony Shalhoub where his shadow was killing people. Like, not like like leaving his body, but if, if a light casts behind him and you stand in his shadow, you'll be um, just eviscerated into ash. I don't even remember that, but that yeah. sounds like a cool story. It's a cool. It's a very cool episode. It's called Soft Light. Um, and so the reason he's at the train station is because there's so much lighting that, oh, okay. that he can't cast a shadow there. Yeah. Um, and cause I, so they spent a lot of time looking around the train station at the lights and the floor. I was like, this all seems really familiar. Um, that's one of my favorite episodes of the X-Files. So it's like, I always go back to it. Oh, okay. Um, cause M- Mulder believes that all the, they keep finding these burnt scorch marks and ash piles that he believes that it's, um, uh, spontaneous combustion. Oh, okay. And so he's, like, super excited. Yeah, I remember like, as a kid being obsessed with spontaneous combustion for some reason. 
Um, yeah, so it ends up, of course, it's, it's Vancouver. They were filming in Vancouver for the X-Files. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they, they use the same train station, same lights, same windows. So we'll throw screenshots of each of these train stations up on the, uh, on the show notes. But, yeah, it's definitely the same yeah. place. They didn't change out the lights in between the the two shoots so mm -hmm. it's very clearly the same place well it's probably um a historical train station yeah it probably like, would at this be. point yeah uh so macgyver heads out to the train station and uh outside of the safe house there's already two people who know where the safe house is yep uh cardosa as is the case with every safe house so far on this show yeah and but... you know moving forward even in the next like batch of episodes there's two more safe houses that are both intercepted because they just yeah. always are yeah we have cardosa and ramos who are uh, still soldiers for the old government uh that uh samantha laura will be taking over yeah um one of them is uh uh played a guy named lucky in jenny's chance right uh i don't remember who lucky was lucky was the guy that got chased down by police and apprehended, but the, oh, that's right, that's right. The guy that MacGyver oh, dressed up as. That's right. So, well, yeah. the guy that was basically. It was just supposed to be MacGyver. It was and, just uh, him. Yeah. That's right. I remember that now. So, um, at the train station, MacGyver uh, uh, is followed, of course, and but he makes contact with Richardson, uh, and said that he hid the tape in one of the train cars that's being repaired in the yard. Uh, yeah, but Rick, then there's like a kind of pointless scene when they get to the train yard and he's like, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, and then they look around for a while and he's like, oh, it's over here. There it is. <laughs> well, and like there's a whole thing like where he can't remember the number, the order of the numbers. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, that he's going to get killed and then MacGyver's going to have to try to figure out based on those numbers or something right. like that. But no, the guy finds it and he yeah. recognizes the numbers. Um, MacGyver asks about his limp and he said like, oh, he got it like being tortured by that military government because he was a journalist. Right. And that's what prompted him to become a spy. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of a cool little backstory for this guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, back at the safe house, Pete drops some of his medication and uh, he's trying to find it on the floor. And when Samantha offers to help, offers him some tea, he just, just lashes out at her. Yeah. Um, I'm pretending to be a dog. <laughs> it was oh. an odd choice. Yeah. But, uh, he quickly apologizes. Yeah, um, she leaves and he's like, oh no, oh no. Yeah, I feel also that she overreacted. Yeah. And so it's like basically... You... I, I don't think so. No? She was like, she was like, oh Pete, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm pretending to be a dog. And she's like, okay, I'm going to put your tea in the living room. <laughs> like, Yeah, but she starts like crying. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I would have asked, I would have asked like, what's your problem, dude? Yeah. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a, uh, just started crying. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I would have. I'm pretty sensitive. <laughs> I also, I forgot to mention before, when he does pour her the uh, the juice, he's uh, he's got his finger in the glass so that he mm. can tell when the when the juice is up to the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like it's good detail. Yeah, but and and MacGyver definitely takes note of it while he's doing that. But then I also think like MacGyver's thinking to his head like, note to self, don't ask Pete to pour me any <laughs> drinks. Um, in, a uh, Red Dragon, uh, Emily Watson, uh, plays a blind character and she does a lot of like really interesting blind techniques. Well, I feel like that might actually have been something that Dana brought to the table too. Like, oh, I'm sure. Like that, 
I've figured out that this is a good way to tell when I'm overfilling a glass. Mm -hmm. So if we want to include that detail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's it's really interesting some of the things that they show when when people play blind characters. And even in the Ben Affleck Daredevil, how he he folds different denominations of bills differently. Oh, interesting. So he can tell how much it is just by the fold. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's actually really clever. Yeah. Um, Braille still blows my mind as like a concept. In terms of being able to, to read to it. To read it that way, yeah. yeah. What, do you, how, what do you think is Braille for don't touch? <laughs> Just hot. Hot. Caution. Extremely hot. Um, uh, did, you, did you ever see Sneakers with Robert Redford? Um, yeah. Ben Kingsley? Yeah. Um, uh, David uh, Stratheran? It's got Ned Ryerson in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the one that asked my... Uh, reporter friend who was going to interview him as uh, Stephen Tobolowsky. Oh, yeah. Uh, she, she, she says, oh, Richard, you know a lot of movies. Like, Do you have any questions you might want to ask him? I said, yes. Oh, God, please. Please ask him to say passport. <laughs> <laughs> Did they ask him? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, he, apparently, that's like not an uncommon thing that people <laughs> ask oh, him to great. say. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but I was super excited about that. My voice is my passport. <laughs> uh but um, what was I going to say? Is it my voice? Is my passport? Yeah. Um, yeah. Hello. My name. My name is Werner Brandis. My voice is my passport. Yeah. Verify me. Yeah. Uh, I was going somewhere with this. With the uh, oh well, David Strathairn's character is blind. Whistler. Um, oh yeah. And yeah, he's yeah. got like a computer readout screen that's just like has like braille bumps that that go up and down. Oh right. Yeah. And he's just like always that. just rubbing his hands across it, like he's reading lines of text that are scrolling down the screen. I was like, gosh, that's that's insane. Does that thing really exist? Yeah. Um, I don't know. So back to MacGyver. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, uh, I can't talk enough about sneakers. I think it's a really underrated movie. Yeah, definitely. I'm um, actually surprised that Redford's in it. Yeah, well, Redford, Sidney Poitier, Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix, Ben Kingsley. I mean, it's just a packed movie. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, they start looking around at the, the train, but that's when they spot Cardoso and Ramos sneaking around. So MacGyver needs a distraction so he can get to the train car. So he grabs one of the like steam pipes that I guess are just lying all over the ground there at the yeah. train yard. Um, and Convenient prop spew. Yeah, he, uh, he loads it like a blunderbuss. He just fills it with rocks. Yeah, and then blasts them up into the air. Yeah. Um, so of course they go they go immediately after the distraction like it like it's a video game yeah. and, you, and you just threw a bottle in another direction. Yeah. Um, it looks like they all land like on the top of a train car, so that's why the guys think like, oh, they're climbing up there. And yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. just fell and dropped a bunch of crap. Which in reality, had they just climbed up on the top of a train car, and laid they down, would have seen everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah, if they if they would have climbed up, they would have been fine. Yeah, yeah, because they're just looking underneath the trains and on the ground. Yeah. But if one of the bad guys had decided, you know what, I'm just going to climb up and get a better vantage point, then yeah, they would have oh, found yeah. everybody, regardless of where they were. Well, that's that's when you blast them with the rocks in this thing. There you go. That works. Um, uh, so MacGyver starts uh, searching the train car, and uh, Richardson is forced to hide as uh, basically Cardoso and Ramos realize that they've been either tricked or what they heard wasn't them. Um, so he reloads the uh, the steam gun. And grabs a big rock that has like a two squared off edges, so it kind of looks like maybe he's holding like a square object. Right. 
and so he blasts the rocks at uh at directly them. at them even yeah, though they like, both have guns yeah i was like oh man that's i thought that that would be enough to take him out too yeah um certainly would have hurt um and but they see that he's got some kind of squared dark squared object and they go yeah. he's got the tape and when they start running off they just they just shoot him like, yeah they could catch up to him because he's got a limp and he can't run yeah. faster than they do and but, macgyver notices too late to do anything about yeah. it yeah so he he just takes the tape and runs off um and of course the bad guys realize that they but he watches them definitely shoot him dead yeah oh yeah it's it's like they shoot him once and he goes to the ground and then they come up and they finish the job yeah so they, they don't though do go for the richard's thorough uh three in the head yeah technique <laughs> you know i'm just you know it's gotta you gotta be you watch too many horror movies so MacGyver gets the tape to Jericho Broadcasting, and of course they just throw it on to whatever they're, they're right. the, the puff piece about Barney the Dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're, oh yeah, we've got this late-breaking news here. Uh, uh, Cardoso and Ramos try to head him off at Jericho, but uh, they're too late. Yeah. Um, so the next course of action is... And to, they're standing outside, and one of the guys is like, I'll just go in there and kill everybody. And he's like, no, we're, it's too late. They got the tape. Yeah, they got it's the tape. The, it's at the broadcasting company. Just, just let me go in. Just let me go in. I, 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 I can take them. Um, it's in a Hudson Hawk uh, when uh, they're up in their apartment and like the bad guys are outside. And Speaking of underrated movies. Yeah. Butterfinger is like, they're all like looking up. They're like, what do you think they're talking about in there? And Butterfinger goes, want me to go in there and rape them? <laughs> <laughs> they both just look at him like, what? That movie is awesome. I actually wish there was a sequel to that. I would, I would love to see a sequel right now with Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello. Oh, man. Yeah, they're both, they're both up there, though, in age. Yeah. You could be swinging on a star. Yeah, that movie, that movie's fun. It's, it's not like Casablanca or anything like that. It's just, it's just a popcorn it's movie. It's much better than Casablanca. Yeah. Oh if you God. were thinking of Casablanca, it's not like that. Uh, so they're going to, the bad guys are going to arrange a little accident for Samantha Laura, since outright killing her would only make her a martyr. Right. But I feel like... Making it look like an accident isn't going to do much better. Yeah. Because there's still going to be a lot of conspiracies. Yeah, they're going to be like, oh, she had an accident where her plane exploded? Yeah. Or something like that, you know? Or what what, did, what were they going to do? What, what, didn't they put her... They put her in with a bomb, a gasoline bomb. Yeah. So it's like, that's not an accident. Yeah. It's a gasoline bomb. <laughs> um, but we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. Uh First, uh, Pete calls in to check in with MacGyver about the tape, but all of a sudden, uh, the phone and the power get cut off. Uh, oh, yeah, and that's a, this is the other thing that happened. So we, we know – it's such a weird set of reveals. So we see Cardoso and Ramos. They're talking about creating an accident. Then MacGyver calls the safe house. I forgot about this. MacGyver what? calls the safe house, and all we see is the phone ringing, and no one's answering it. And then we see this hand slowly reach for the phone and pick it up. And it's like, oh, God, they got there already. Yeah. It's like, no, it's just Pete. <laughs> He's just super slow. He's just super slow. He, he let it ring four times before yeah. dramatically. And I was like, that was just Pete? <laughs> he just 
struggling to find his way across the living room. But what the but the way they had it filmed, it was just like so yeah. tight on the phone. Yeah, like definitely thought Murdoch was picking the phone up. Yeah, exactly. If, there, <laughs> if Pete had been wearing a black glove, especially, yeah. it would have been even more dramatic. Yeah, my hands were cold. <laughs> I like it cold. Uh, That's a bean curd reference. <laughs> Uh, MacGyver tells Pete that Richardson is dead um, and that they might know – MacGyver has a feeling he knows who's involved, but that's when the phone and the power get cut. Does he tell him that Richardson's dead here or does yeah. he just say that he has the tape? Uh, he says – well, he says both. He says they got the tape, and but also Richardson's dead. But before MacGyver can reveal who he suspects is involved, the power goes out and the Because then cut. he hangs up the conversation and he tells De La Rosa, but then they both stand there like – like, oh, that's so wonderful. We have the tape. Like, he doesn't tell her that he's dead. Yeah. Until later, I guess. Because I, I just remember there was a conversation where he tells him that he has the tape and that they got it to the studio on time mm-hmm. and that he turns around and tells it to her. I think. And they both I, embrace, like, happily, like, oh, that's wonderful news. Oh, yeah. great. But and, I, th- I think it's the same conversation. But he, but he never tells her that Richardson died until later when they find out officially who did it or something like that um i think he, i thought he told i i don't remember i don't you know have what it. i'm realizing now what happened he gets a first phone call from the broadcasting company mm. saying that they got the tape in right. on time and then the follow-up phone call with MacGyver, macgyver is when he learns that richardson died okay and then he tells her and they're both yeah upset. see I, I didn't have the first phone call in my notes. right yeah right. that's what happened though um so when the power goes out pete can't see at all now Right. And he asked Samantha to look for matches. I was like, that's okay. Very, very little light. Yeah. Um, so a man in a mask comes in and grabs Samantha, and Pete can hear her struggling. And he pulls his gun out and just starts aiming it. Yeah. It was like Oscar Pistorius style. Like, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. I'm just oh, going to shoot whatever I hear. It's a terrible reference. <laughs> um,. And, of course, he can't bring himself to shoot. Thank God. Yeah. Because... I don't even know why he loaded his gun this morning. Well, luckily, it's, it's loaded with pencil erasers. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. Why does that keep the box of pencil erasers right next to the box of bullets? Uh, and uh, so, of course, he hears the voice of the guy calling out to him, and he recognizes it. But uh, the guy just knocks him out and doesn't kill him. Right. Um. And I was like, well, you probably sh-. in my notes, I was like, you probably should have killed Pete since he knows who you are. Yeah. Only to realize that that's part of the plan is that MacGyver arrives, finds Pete, and says, why did, and MacGyver says, wait, why did they leave you alive if you could ID him? Yeah. And that's when Cardoso and Ramos show up. It goes, because, to lure you here. Yeah, to lure you here. It's like. Because you, you wouldn't have come if Pete's body were here on the ground. Oh, no. You, well, I guess you would have come anyway. Yeah, yeah. Shoot. Well, we didn't think about it. We could have killed him earlier. Well, either way, you're going to die now. Yeah. Um, at an airfield. Yeah. In a hangar. <laughs> Instead of right here in the safe house where no one knows that you live and there's yeah. no record of. Uh, well, the only pers- other person who knows is the DXS agent who's on your side. Yeah. So, uh, uh, of course, they question why Stams, because it's revealed that the DXS agent Stams is, of it's course, a bad guy. Needless <laughs> reveal. Yeah. Everybody knew the DXS guy was the bad guy. Um, it's like so far, like Stringer has like been the only good DXS agent. 
Yeah. And oh no, he was DEA. What am I talking about? He was DXS when he was brought over with Pete. No, the only good DXS agent is Craig Bannister. Yeah. And even he had his bad day. Yeah. Uh, so Stan- oh, yeah, I forgot about that time that he tried to kill everybody because <laughs> he was hypnotized. <laughs> uh, Stams believes that uh, democracy has failed that town, so it's better just to have the instability. Yeah. So they can just do whatever they want, as 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 the uh, as the DXS do. <laughs> <laughs> um. So they're gonna leave them to burn. They 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 light. Uh, or they make a gigantic Molotov cocktail out of a can of gasoline. Right. Um, so MacGyver and Pete are tied together, luckily. And uh, Now, before the guys leave the room, mm-hmm. it looks like he dumps a box of cigarettes on the ground. Yeah. And uh, he says, careless. Yep. Is the implication supposed to be that they were in this airplane hangar smoking, smoking. cigarettes next to four giant barrels of gasoline yep. and accidentally threw one on the barrels? Yep. There's no way they would imply that from this scene. Well, they did. It happened. Uh, whatever. Um, but there, so there's this flaming gas can with a rag on top of yeah. it. But it's sitting on top of maybe even jet fuel. I don't even know. Yeah, it's, these, it's, these it's, barrels it's other barrels of, of stuff. It's, it's that scene from Dark Knight. Right, yeah. You know, Aaron Eckhart's on the ground. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, they, they MacGyver and Pete stand up and shimmy over to um, some kind of uh, tool check, uh, tool table where there's a, it's like a sander or grinder of some kind. Yeah. And uh, they use it to cut their bindings. And MacGyver grabs the can of gasoline and, I mean, the balls of doing that, first of all. Yeah. I mean, it really could have at any second here exploded. Yeah. And he's just running along with it. But then he throws it into a dumpster. Okay, good plan. It's in the dumpster. It's run away. Fu- it's, it's good enough that you could just turn around right now, but he tries to slam the lid closed. Yeah, and 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 slams the lid closed closed with his face fully like yeah. looking into the dumpster when, of course, it explodes. Right. Which which wouldn't just be a big flash. It would like send droplets of flaming gasoline all yeah. over like napalm. Yeah. Um, so and Ma- honestly, the reaction to it seems maybe like the most pain we've seen MacGyver in so far yeah. in the whole series. Yeah, he he is just in a really, really bad way. His hands are burned. He's on fire. He's smoking. Yeah, his and, face is all red and cooked. And, and he's just like writhing on the ground like like because he knows that he doesn't have time for this. But he's also in severe pain. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and she's freaking out, and Pete doesn't even know what's happening because the explosion, the flash was so bright that he was re-blinded by everything. Yeah. Um, my note from MacGyver is, he's still alive, but he's very badly burned. <laughs> uh, so uh, when uh, the bad guys realize that they heard an explosion, but nothing happened yet, uh, uh, MacGyver has Pete free Samantha... And they bar the door so right. they can't get in. And then they push up a piece of equipment in front of it when the bad guys try to get back. Uh, so, But now they're still stuck in this hangar, which has to have another door. This is a big building. Yeah. There is at least one other emergency exit. No, this is the same architect from that factory from birthday. There's yeah. only one functional door. And we have to keep <laughs> using that over and over again. Um. 
because there's the hangar doors, which are closed. Um, but yeah, then there's one one side door. So they got that blocked, but now like, how are they going to stop bad guys? Because they're rummaging through a, a debris pile, and they find a gigantic iron I-beam. Yeah, that they're going to start using as a battering ram. Um, it's kind of a funny conversation, too, because uh, uh, Ramos and Cardoso are trying to lift the I-beam, and Stams is just standing around, like, like patronizing them. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys, work faster. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. And really this is just a buy time while MacGyver and Pete have time so that it's more realistic that they have time to Yeah, there's no reason point. it should have taken this long to get that beam to the door. Yeah. Um, they find a, a small utility cart, which I guess also is a generator of some sort. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a jumper cable-designed yeah. car. To jump planes? I don't know. I guess. Um, whatever it is, it's got, a, it's got a generator on it. Right. Um, and, uh, it's like a little go-kart. Uh, MacGyver has to guide Pete to drive it. Um, uh, also, again, very reminiscent of the scene in Sneakers. This is where we get the first hints that Pete is also deaf. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Stop! And then he just crashes. And then he's like, I thought you said go left. He's like, no. I very clearly said stop three times in ascending volume. <laughs> oh. Well, I think you said turn left. Yeah. What? No. I didn't, Pete. Um, so after that one complicated incident, they, they do the rest of it flawlessly, where you know they left, turn right, slow down, speed up, duck under an airplane wing. Yeah, but the part about ducking under an airplane wing when they're approaching it is he's like, wait for it, wait for it, duck now! And it's like, why did I have to wait for it? <laughs> I've been ducking the whole time. I can't see, so not Wouldn't ducking. Wouldn't it have been safer to just tell me when, when I could lift my head back up instead of telling me when to duck? Yeah, because, I mean, either way I'm driving Considering blind. how long I took to turn left before, or are you trying to decapitate me? <laughs> they make it under the airplane wing. Okay, we did it, and Pete just has half his scalp. <laughs> Um, so, uh, they, uh, attach the generator cables to the door so that when the bad guys ram the door, um, they, uh, they get lit up like a Christmas tree right. from the, from the shock. And I was watching this with Jess and she was like, did they do that on purpose? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would they get electrocuted on purpose? And she's like, no, did they purposely dress all the bad guys with rubber shoes, wearing gloves, holding this I-beam while they're supposed to get electrocuted? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I don't think that was on purpose <laughs> because obviously they wouldn't have been electrocuted. Yeah. I, th th there's a whole concept of electricity called the path of least resistance. Yeah. Um, I think that the generator on the, the hangar door and the other door would have been the least resistance rather than going yeah, through an It would have gone straight through the, the door into the walls of the hangar. It wouldn't have and, gone through the I-beam. And if it did, it definitely wouldn't have gone through... Leather gloves. Yeah. And gr it would have been grounded by rubber shoes. Or grounded by the fact that the building is in dirt. It yeah. probably goes down a couple of feet. Yeah. <laughs> so either way, it they basically just should have like waited for them to come in and have the cables ready and just zap them as they came in. Yeah. Uh, just open the door at the last second like a Three Stooges. Yeah, and they just <laughs> they keep just running run with through. the I-beam through the whole building. <laughs> Honestly, they just charge full speed into the gas cans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, honestly, though, that probably would have been a better idea. Not, I mean, obviously, the three suits aside, having that much momentum with that I-beam 
even if they dropped, they couldn't just drop it because it would have landed on their feet. Yeah. So they would have had. They to... would have just fallen into the building. Yeah. That's either way. That would have been a better idea. If... Yeah. Um, and then you shock them. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you, just, you still got to <laughs> just get them right in the face. You don't have to do it through a door. Uh. So MacGyver uh, and Pete. Uh, well, they all rush out, even though Pete can't see. But MacGyver kicks a gun away that Samantha picks up, and since she's the only one who can handle a gun at this point. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Act 5 roundup, MacGyver's being tended to, uh, you know, bandaged up, and Samantha and Pete have their heartfelt goodbye as she's returning to her country. Um, she, she believes that Pete will have a successful operation. Right. She feels it in her heart. Um, and, uh, so she leaves and then Pete goes to check on Mac, who of course says, everyone says, oh, these burns will heal and I'll be fine. And so here's Pete half blind and MacGyver got no hands. And Pete says, how about we go bowling? (laughs) And they have a good chuckle. Yeah. that's, that's the end. It's an all right episode. Yeah. You know, honestly, like there's a, a lot of really great moments with this episode yeah, i like the human element of it yeah that dana elkar is getting to sort of vocalize what he's feeling as as the character mm-hmm. going through the same thing and and you know it's we we, we keep we, we referenced a lot of other episodes for this episode like oh it's a videotape like this episode or she's going to return to her country and take over the government like this episode um, so in, in those respects, it's kind of like, okay, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's really more about the Pete and MacGyver relationship, and right? Pete coming to terms and, and it's kind of a see no evil, hear no evil. You yeah. Know, like kind of that situation at the end where one person has one ability and the other person has the other ability and they have to work together to prove mm-hmm. that they're both useful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's got a lot going on. Like I said, like, like there's so much exposition in the beginning and, but I feel like the stakes are a little artificial in the sense like that the news won't, won't broadcast the tape ever after 6 PM that day. Yeah. It's like you won't broadcast it tomorrow. Can't, yeah. can't it go on tomorrow? It's not, it's not important enough. What about the 10 o'clock news? Can it go on the 10 o'clock, the late news? How can we, can we get well, this to Larry tomorrow King? We have, so we, so you think you can dance and that's yeah. a pretty big ratings boost for us. Can, can we get it to Larry King or who was on, tv at that at that time uh, yeah and uh but yeah it's a good episode and that's pretty much all i have to say about yeah. it really i mean uh dana elkar is such a trooper to continue yeah and we um, go more in depth with you know his struggles with the glaucoma over the course of the next few episodes too mm-hmm. um i should also mention um as far as the macgyver reboot goes we have mm-hmm. a little bit of news uh we got a a tweet from uh, Andrea Seitz, who's been uh, tweeting and updating on the MacGyver project as far as like any updates from the right. the new series, and she noticed that we had brought up recently our our appreciation of Joe Dante's work. Oh yes, obviously. And that he's apparently currently directing episode four of the Ooh. reboot, which actually I went back over his IMDb page and he directs a lot of Hawaii Five-0 mm-hmm. apparently. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense because Peter Lenkoff is the showrunner yeah. for both shows. So um, 
it would totally follow logically that Joe Dante would be working on it. So that makes me excited too. Yeah, I mean, um, Joe I, Dante is... And he's a great choice for a MacGyver episode too because he's great at like recycling stuff and, mm -hmm. and just like using random things that are in a scene. So I feel like, I mean, obviously he didn't write the episode, but right, I, right, I think right. as far as directing, he's an awesome choice for that. Um, I met him at the New Beverly. Um, I can't remember if it was his festival or if it was at Edgar Wright's festival. I think he came for a double feature of Danger Diabolique and uh, Flash Gordon because mm. um, he's like a big Mario Bava expert. And so he talked a lot about that. And I talked to him a little bit there, but um, super nice guy. Yeah, I'm sure. A lot of really great movies. So um, I'll throw a link up to the the updates um, on the MacGyver project as far as the, the reboot goes if, if anybody wants to stay up to date on that. I also uh, should mention that uh, another listener and good friend of mine, Jeff Orr, was uh, disappointed to hear us bring up the Saban Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show recently <laughs> and failed to mention that there was an episode that took, takes place entirely in space that is a crossover TMNT Power Rangers episode, <laughs> which is crazy that those two franchises could ever exist in the same episode of something. But it did. But it did. So... Um, I don't know if I can throw a link to that up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, either way, I'll, I'll include in the show notes which episode it was if you want to check that out because I'm pretty sure the whole Saban TMNT is on uh, is on Netflix to watch. Um, but yeah, I think that's about mm -hmm. it for this episode. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you want to share with us on Blind Faith, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 6, Episode 18, Faith, Hope, and Charity. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's an episode. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks.